0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, December 1st. Is the UCP government's plan to fix Alberta's health care system viable? We discuss with Chris Galloway, Executive Director of Friends of Medicare, to hear what the organization's biggest health care takeaways are from Tuesday's throne speech. Pledge Day is December 2nd, right here on 770 CHQR. We continue our series shining the spotlight on the various charities supported by the Calgary Children's Foundation. This time out, our on-air contributor Dave McIver brings us the story behind a unique program offered by the Calgary Distress, center called connect Team. next is the season for holiday gatherings and gift giving among co-workers and clients we catch up with ellen parker ceo and owner of parker pr for some tips to ensure it's a happy holiday for your organization and finally you can think of it as christmas trees 101 We talk with Calgary's number one Green Thumb, Merle Coombs, host of Let's Talk Gardening right here on 770 CHQR and owner of Spruce It Up Garden Center. Merle offers up some advice on which type of tree would be the best fit for you and your family and just how much you can expect to pay to celebrate the season with a real tree. What is the UCP's plan to fix Alberta's broken health care system and how will the average Albertan be impacted? Joining us to discuss and react to this week's throne speech is Chris Galloway, executive director of friends of Medicare. Good morning to you, Chris.
1: Good morning, Andy. Thanks for having me on on this chilly morning.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. You do what you can to keep warm, right? So uh, we appreciate Absolutely. you taking the time. Yeah. Phone lines are not frozen. Uh, you attended the <laughs> throne speech. What was your reaction and what is the UCP's plan to address our damaged healthcare system?
1: Yeah, I did attend this week. Uh listened to the government's message and, Frankly, it was pretty disappointing. There wasn't a lot there. There were some platitudes. There wasn't really anything new for healthcare, uh, and there was a continuation of their agenda of privatization. At a time when staffing is the biggest issue facing the system, we're in a staffing crisis. There's short staffing and burnout everywhere, impacting Albertans' ability to access care. You know, people are having long waits. We're putting a trailer outside the children's hospital to deal with the emergency room there. You know, these are serious issues we've been hearing calls for action for months from friends of medicare from healthcare workers from their unions from doctors and the government still hasn't responded to those calls they haven't agreed to meet instead they're pushing this agenda of privatization and in the throne speech mostly what we heard about healthcare was them calling healthcare workers heroes that we should thank them for their heroic act but the healthcare workers i talked to don't want to be heroes they want a fully staff shift they want to get off work on time and not have forced overtime or their holidays cancelled. So really, they're looking for action. They're not looking to be heroes.
0: You know, Chris, we can talk about the issues. We can talk about the promises made by the UCP, uh, for example, to address emergency room and ambulance wait times. But mm-hmm. tangibly, you know, it is fine to talk about promises and the issues. Tangibly, what needs to be done to fix these issues facing the health care system?
1: We very urgently right now need a workforce plan with the top priority being retention to retain the health care workers we currently have, and then to go on to recruitment, to returning folks to training, and really look at the provincial health care system and how we're going to staff it up. But unfortunately, the government has been more focused on an agenda of privatization, which we know just fragments the system. It actually pulls workers out of the system and makes the staffing situation worse. And that's the agenda they seem committed to. Heading into the election, so we're quite concerned about uh, their current plan, which is really to let the staffing crisis continue and not really address, you know, emergency room wait times, EMS wait times, surgery backlogs—those things that Albertans are experiencing. Privatizing
0: healthcare seems to be a real trigger point for many. However, is it not the case that when we talk about privatizing healthcare, that we can have? two different paths or different schools of thought one would be that you would still be covered but this would just be a private health care clinic and instead of you know uh, being seamless you might have to submit to the government to get your funds back under you know our our current system Uh, others are saying you know well well, if I have an extra five grand I can get my knee done next week and not wait is the issue uh, kind of a, a case of the devil in the details when it comes to privatization
1: well, we saw, you know, the premier's past comments before she was premier about her plan for health spending accounts and really how she sees it as a tool to to get people used to paying out of pocket and change the conversation on health care to really open the door to more privatization. It's not about providing better care. And we see with the surgical centers, we've seen it in other provinces like next door in Saskatchewan, uh, and we're doing it here where we open these private surgical centers and all it does is split up the system. It pulls doctors, nurses, and other workers out of the system into those clinics, and we see the wait times grow. Saskatchewan's wait times are worse than ever, having implemented the surgical initiative, and they're now talking about sending patients to Calgary to a private centre to try to deal with their backlog. Really, the plan is about using our public health care dollars to give profit to those corporations. It's not about the surgery backlog, and we're going to call that out every step of the way. Chris,
0: we have a texture from a texture by the name of Jason that says, to be fair, the healthcare concerns we are seeing here, uh, we're actually seeing across the entire country. It's Mm -hmm. not just Alberta. you agree with that statement?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the staffing situation has been building for decades. We knew baby boomers would retire eventually. The pandemic, you know, escalated some of those retirements and people leaving the system. Uh, So this is a longer term problem. But we're now in a very urgent situation where we need to see some urgent action if we're going to turn it around Chris, thanks
0: for your time this morning. A very timely conversation.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Stay warm.
0: You too. That is Chris Galloway, Executive Director for Friends of Medicare. And that's that's where I come from. I'm not here to say we should each have a health spending account. and You know what? You, you finish off that account, you can't buy your diabetes medication. Or you can't get your blood pressure. Or, you know, maybe we can't take you for that heart assessment. I'm not talking about that. I remember the days of even back in the day, Ralph Klein talking about it, uh, you, describing that, you know, privatization to a certain extent is not the boogeyman. It's an independent clinic that you are covered from, but it's, you know, gives another opportunity for, for you know, healthcare professionals. I I, I am not against that. If, if I'm not having to pay, if I can do it in the uh, the hospital setting or a private clinic and I'm still covered the same, I don't, I don't care. Like, that would be fine with me. Yes, it's when things are done sneakily and we're going to try to open the back door and it's like that. Toll bridge to healthcare to a certain extent, but I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts? What's the greatest issue when it comes to healthcare? Because I know that this is, and it's not just the UCP government. I remember with NDP for, for a million years, it seems and that's an exaggeration. <laughs> if I told you a million times, um, healthcare has not been ideal. We've needed to, to 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 spruce things up and provide what we know as Canadians healthcare should look like. Yes, if you don't know, tomorrow is our annual pledge day here at 770 CHQR, live from the Westin Hotel. Our on-air contributor, Dave McIver, has been highlighting charities and programs over the last few weeks that the Calgary Children's Foundation works with. And today we focus on a program lending a hand to teens, supported by the Calgary Distress Center. Dating back to 1992, the Calgary Children's Foundation has been raising money for small children's charities in the Calgary area. Many of the recipients can't do any large-scale fundraising and the foundation also reaches a number of children that may be falling through the cracks. One of the programs the foundation works with is out of the Calgary Distress Centre and it's called Teen. Karen Gallagher-Burt is the Director of Strategy and Engagement with the Calgary Distress Centre.
1: Hello Teen. how can I help you?
2: So Teen is an offshoot of our crisis line program uh, where we have teens that are peers supporting other teens uh, who are trained exactly the same as our adult volunteers that provide crisis support for for our peers. Again, um, it is predominantly five to ten on weeknights and then full days and evenings on the weekends and they go through the same training as the adults and these young folks come out to support they friends, really, who might be in crisis, phone, text, and chat, and ironically, we started our chat first and foremost with Connect Teen back in 2012 because I don't know if my teens know how to use a phone um, for calling. So very much that was the audience we went after for the first time with our chat and saw huge success, and now we have text and chat on all of our lines because of that experience. So our teens led the way. We have had feedback from it. and. Honestly, the big part for the youth has been the anonymity Uh, and then I think with the chat particularly or the text, uh, people can be more vulnerable on that side of things and a little more honest because their voice itself gives away their emotionality and so that extra layer of distance is helpful. But we get a lot of feedback from the youth that use the services and sometimes the parents because the parents will sometimes call as well, thinking if I get a teen, they might be able to tell me how to talk to my teen. There's kind of four biggies that are the, the ones that are the most significant. First is uh, feelings of depression and anxiety. Um, Those ones are so high right now. Um, Relationships is always up there, and for youth that's critical, because um, that's the world, right? When you get into that teen years, your peers are way more important than your parents, your teachers, your coaches. So we get a lot of those relationship ones around friends and um, people who are not their friends uh, and their struggles. And then the suicidality and the suicidal ideation um, would probably be that last one, so. Yeah, they're, the, they're kind of the key ones we get. It's probably the one area that we have to c- keep evolving on a faster basis. So we, re- we need to rebrand again. So Connect Team was the name that we came up with in 2012. Prior to that, it was the Teen line. And the rebranding comes to each generation. Every 10 years, we seem to need to shift up what we do, how we can appeal. So dollars raised for something like this on pledge day, honestly can look at us and say, okay, where's our biggest impact right now? Do we need to do something that goes into the schools a bit more? Um, do we need something that hits community groups? Do we need to do something that partners with other not for profits? Think um, Boys and Girls Club, think um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, other areas that our youth get access to. How do we use some of those dollars to have a greater impact? Everybody's at a different place in our lives. We are not. Through the pandemic, particularly on the mental health side, we're all still struggling. And I think we saw a lot of that through the pandemic with our youth and how their mental health plummeted. Um, Whether it's $20, like I say, or a monthly donation, the money right now that you can spare and it All of us have different circumstances can make a massive difference in a kid's life. The other thing I would also say to those donors is that sometimes you don't have the treasure. Um, And many of the organizations featured today, we need your time and your talent as well. Um, So if the money's not the way you can do it this year, step forward and see what you can do by committing to volunteering or even awareness, sharing what these fantastic organizations do through the support of the Children's Foundation. So if you
0: can, please join us tomorrow for Pledge Day, where the dollars you donate can go to programs like Connect Teen and help those who might be in need of help during a difficult time in their life. For 770 CHQR, I'm Dave McIver. Quick reminder, you can also make your donations count right now at CalgaryChildrensFoundation.com and learn more about the great work the foundation does as well. What should we consider and be mindful of when it comes to sending holiday greetings and hosting holiday soirees with our teams and clients within business? Joining us with some PR tips and insights is Ellen Parker, CEO and owner of Parker PR. Good morning to you once again, Ellen
3: good morning thanks for having me
0: thank you for being here No, this is one of the best times of the year to recognize our clients and employees for a year of hard work what are some fun and creative ways to to send holiday greetings to begin with, with to our clients
3: yes great question so with the holiday greeting i would recommend doing a happy holidays rather than a merry christmas just to be mindful you know not all of us celebrate christmas unless of course we wanted to do happy holidays merry christmas happy hanukkah that kind of an idea but start off, you know, take time to do a handwritten card with a personalized message. It goes a long way. And if you can say a little personal note in there, of course, being appropriate, that's always that's always way better received in general. And thoughtful gifts go farther than expensive ones in most cases, like homemade cookies, caramel corn, nuts and bolts, always fun little treats like that. Small gestures have a big impact. However, if you do want to splash out, one fun thing that we've done is an Advent calendar of kindness. So we will gift our clients, you know, 12 days of Christmas. So each day they can open a little gift. Also a great way to support a local community like Kensington or Inglewood, Mm -hmm. picking up little Christmas ornaments and things like that. And then with respect to teams, holidays can be expensive, especially for us bosses out there. So gift exchanges are great ways to do this, and it's not even about the expensive amounts of gifts, but just fun team-building camaraderie.
0: Holiday parties, uh, Ellen, a great way to build camaraderie, celebrate and recognize the the season, and look back on the past 12 months. But we might be out of practice after the past few years. So what are some fun holiday holiday, uh, party ideas for us?
3: Yeah, great question, and some do's and don'ts, of course, too. So if you're having a holiday soiree, be mindful of everyone on your team to make it fun for everyone. You know, we're all thinking about our time and impact. So fun things like escape rooms, bowling, tacky sweater contests, or even making tacky sweaters is a fun idea, karaoke. One fun thing that we did was Christmas caroling in our neighbourhood as a team, so kind of sending Christmas grams um, vocally. And then always ensure that you have a taxi chit to enforce safety, of course, on the roads if you are having parties. And if you're having an event at a venue, ensure that you put the dress code on the invite. Really important, just to make sure everyone's feeling comfortable and appropriate. And then, of course, as a party attendee, making sure that we're making good impression and being mindful that we are at a work function. So dressing appropriately. If you are interested in holiday trends over there, you guys, It's all about sequence this year, even a sequence pocket square. Um, Blazers are great, hot pink is the color. And remember to have fun, but of course, keep it classy. So bring business cards, have a transportation plan, have an exit strategy, just in case something goes sideways at the party. Um, And speaking of not going sideways, make sure you eat something before you go, especially if it's a cocktail party. Because oftentimes there isn't a lot of food, and we're sipping cocktails and chatting. And then, very importantly, always follow up with a thank you note.
0: Yeah, I love that. And Ellen, you know that uh, eat something beforehand. Uh, that was directed toward me because I found myself in some trouble saying, "I'm not feeling too well. <laughs> well, I haven't eaten since breakfast." Uh, but anyway, we've we got to leave it there for time, Ellen. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, will we talk before uh, Christmas? No, I don't think we will. No, so, uh,
3: so
0: happy holidays. Yeah, uh, have a great holiday. Thank you so much Thank for uh, joining us uh, this year. We've appreciated it. Thank you so much. See you soon. You too. That's Ellen Parker, CEO and owner of Parker PR. You can find out more about what she does at parkerpr.ca. Yes, Merle <laughs> Coombs is on the line, the one and only, the guru of the garden, president of Spruce It Up Garden Centers, because it is, and I was, I, was, I don't hold a lot of control around this establishment, but... For me, December 1 is when I put up my Christmas tree. I won't judge you if you put yours up in July, but I think we're in primetime season. That's why we're catching up with Merle Coombs to talk about the real Christmas tree. Maybe you've had that artificial one, or uh, maybe you're a veteran, but uh, let's talk about the supply this year and some care as well. Good morning to you, Merle.
4: Good morning, Andy.
0: All right, let's talk about this in the sense that you know, you have those people who are diehards who would never have an artificial tree in their home, others who've had artificial and want to try the real one. What do you have to know if you're going to go for a real Christmas tree?
4: What you want to look for is something like that's a fresh tree um, stored in a cool place, sometimes not right out in the full sun. Um, and most tree lots in Calgary, they, they're all getting them from reputable tree farms and they've been doing it for a number of years. So for the most part, you're good. It's what it's, It depends if some of the ones that are real, like super inexpensive, like um, there were some varieties that just don't do well here, but the Frazier's balsams, Douglas firs for the most part, Jack pines all do really quite well here. So like you said, um, they're pretty savvy. Most of the tree lots here in Calgary. So, and with the shortage, it's kind of weeded out all the, all the bad ones anyway. <laughs> so uh, I think most of you are going to be in good hands this year. If you're, if you're going to be out looking for a tree,
0: so when you say shortage, we can still get them. Is 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 that it? Is not that you're going to have a hard time finding one?
4: Period. There's there's a lot less tree lots around town, and a lot of people have been shorted. Um, and if you're getting your trees from the east, like the Fraser firs, balsam, I know a few people they didn't get quite what they ordered into their tree lots, and and the prices have just have gone up. So a lot of the tree farms down east are generations old and they're just the land is getting too valuable to grow tree farm like Mm. christmas trees and to be honest there's not a lot of money i was like 18 working down when sunnyside was we were selling christmas trees there i was selling uh eight foot uh frazier fir and you get eighty dollars for it back then and they're almost selling for the same price a little bit higher this year but they just haven't gone up in 30 years sort of thing right so it's Um, so a kid taking over the family farm looking at this, and like, and some guy comes in, offers some more money. So that a lot of them are changing over just because of the land value and and whatnot. Wow. Okay. So
0: let's let's break that down. What is the price range we can expect to pay for a live tree?
4: Well, it depends. If you're in the Fraser Fir, we we made the decision last year. Um, I went to strictly Western Canadian trees, so I'm doing the Douglas Fir. And I know I've had a couple of customers come in. They've been disappointed. Um, I, they're not the super thick, thick Fraser furs. I just want to, again, pra- prices, um, keep my prices down. My mm-hmm. prices went down 20% this year. Uh-huh. And I know most people probably went up. So for a 7 to 9 foot um, Douglas fir, we're at sixty nine ninety nine. Wow. Yeah. A 5 to 7, 49, 9 to 11, eighty nine and for a twelve to fourteen, hundred and forty nine dollars. So if you're in the Fraser Furs, you're gonna be in the three hundred dollar range. So you almost double most of those prices on the, <laughs> the Frasers. So I just kinda of made that decision. It was just a lot of money to put out plus the unpredictability if you're gonna get your trees. So I've gotten I've sourced local guys, Western Canadian. I just wanted to just keep it local. Again, this that I know where I'm at, I'm yeah. gonna get the trees I ordered. Um, I increased my volume this year, and we got every tree we ordered. So,
0: well, you got the stock, you got people taken care of. We appreciate it, and uh, different price points for everyone. Thanks so much, Merle. We appreciate
4: it. You're very welcome.
0: Merle Coombs, owner and president of Spruce It Up Garden Centers, spruceitupgardencenter.com. <laughs>